Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi everyone, it's Daniel Reuters here from Humanly and today I'm joined by Roman Bistrianic. Roman, welcome. Thank you for coming along to the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Roman, you are the co-author of the book Dissolving Illusions, which I've found to be incredibly enlightening um, with the book contents in regards to everything that it covers from just health in general and infectious disease and vaccinations and all sorts of sort of eye-opening topics that I have been aware of for a number of years, but I never actually realized how important that information was up until about two years ago when it actually started to impact upon my own life and my own freedom. Um, And it is a fantastic book. And I'm sure that you probably noticed that there's been a lot more attention uh, towards that book in the last couple of years. Just just a little bit. Just a little bit, I bet. (laughs) Do you want to tell me about the book? Tell me about why you wrote it, how you ended up even getting to that point where you've found out the information to want to write a book like that. I'm just so interested to, to find out. Yeah. It was just, uh, just luck really that got me going. So right. I have, I have a PowerPoint uh, presentation. We can just, you know, pop through slides and, uh, you know, we can pop out of it and have little chats or just, just go through the slides Yeah, and, cool. uh, hopefully this just works. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, many years ago, over 20 now, I was listening to various radio programs on a local radio station and they were talking about, you know, different topics. And one of them was, you know, vaccines and neurological damage for, um, you know, getting a vaccine and people were saying, Hey, you know, my kid had, was developing fine. And then he wasn't that type of thing. And I was, you know, quite interested because I had young kids at the time and, uh, so I was listening to these things and I, and, and I was thinking to myself, well, maybe you can have some neurological damage, but you know, I knew that vaccines, you know, wiped out all these diseases. I don't know how I knew that, but I knew it. And, uh, so I thought, well, on balance, you know, vaccines are great. They wiped out diseases. So, you know, we just have to live with the, you know, risk of neurological damage, which is probably pretty rare, but you know, it's, it's horrible kind of thing, obviously. And I picked up this little booklet where I don't remember, and I still have it. I just took a picture uh, not that long ago. And in there, they had a little chart, um, and it showed the decline of mortality, the death rate declined by 95% before the vaccine Mm. for measles. And I looked at that, and honestly, I thought it was, you know, not true. (laughs) I thought this guy just made it up. Mm. I was like, this can't be right because that's not what I thought was true at all. So, you know, after a couple of days, curiosity got the best of me. I decided to go to my local library and I was able to find an almanac. And uh, I went through the almanac and actually I went through three of them. And the third one, I found some mortality statistics for, um, for measles every 10 years. And I had a little piece of graph paper and I charted out and I had the same basic chart and I was sat there. I sat there for minutes, just looking at this piece of graph paper going this, just how could this be true? (laughs) You know, I was just completely stunned because Mm -hmm. that's not the way 
I thought things were. It was, you know, one of those big moments of, oh, I guess I was completely wrong. <laughs> how did I get it so wrong? You know, and and then you start thinking, oh, well, how's how's everybody else got it wrong? You know, how could that possibly be? This is this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But being a curious person, I was like, well, where'd they get this data from? And uh, so I happened to live near uh, live near Yale Medical, and uh, so I said, you know, they have a library there. I'm sure it has a lot of stuff in there. So I decided I'm going to take a trip over there. I uh, I just walked in, pretended to like I owned the place. I went up to the front desk and said, I'm here to use the library. He said, okay, here, sign here. And they gave me a little badge and I walked in. I was like, oh, that was easy. Wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, um, and uh, it took me a little while to get my bearings. And I found a central area where they had all these uh, reference books. And I found U.S. Vital Statistics. You know, I said, well, it must, must probably be in here. So I started paging through the books. And I found you know, mortality statistics, if I can say the word, uh, starting in you know, 1900 in various books. You had, to get, you had to go through a lot of books to find all the, you know, the dates so I, so I started finding all the different pieces and I photocopied them because back then you had to photocopy, you know, ancient technology. Yeah. What a lot of work to do without the internet. Like that's incredible that you're able to find that information. Well, it was all the in way. these, it was all in these, uh, big olive books, you know? So it wasn't that super difficult, right? but, but, you know, it took time. I think I'd had a couple trips to the library to, to get all the, all the pieces I wanted because mm. of course I missed a couple of dates and had to go back. And so, uh, you know, I took that data and you know, I went back and I punched it into a spreadsheet and, you know, I just kept on putting all the dates in there. And at the same time I had measles, I had whooping cough and scarlet fever and all these other things that you know, I didn't know anything about, but I just put them all in the spreadsheet just to see, you know, what, what was the deal with these things too? Mm. So eventually when I was done, I charted the data and this is what I got, which was a little bit more detailed look at the same chart, essentially. It's, it's not that different than this, this chart really, Mm. but just a little bit more detail because it has every data point. And I sat there and I'm looking, (laughs) it's just, you know, I just couldn't believe it. I still couldn't believe it. I was, even today, I'm like, wow, how could that be, right? It's just, it's, it's amazing that, you know, you have such a massive decline in mortality well before any vaccine was even introduced. Right. And the 1963 vaccine, which was a killed measles virus, was not a very good vaccine. They had to swap it out. So by 1968, they had a live, live vaccine. Anyway, uh, you know, that just got me really, really interested and so I, you know, started charting other, other, um, other diseases and they all showed the same kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. before there was a vaccine, the, the mortality rate all dropped like crazy. It wasn't like a little drop. I mean, it was basically, you know, already taken care of. It's gone. Yeah. And so that, you know, kind of got me really interested in why did it decline? You know, that started uh, getting me into reading lots and lots of books from the 1700s and 1800s and trying to piece together, you know, what actually happened. And so I was just started accumulating all this information and 
you know, over time I had, you know, massive binders of stuff I photocopied and started reading. And it was all just for my own, you know, interest. And, you know, I also wanted to do what was best for my kids. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was just trying to really understand why we're actually doing these kinds of things. Why are we injecting kids when there really wasn't much of a problem? Mm -hmm. Sure. There was still a problem, but why didn't we use the stuff that we learned to drop it by 98% before (laughs) this is what, this is what stumped me. I was like, you know, if we already solved the problem by 98%, why are we inventing a whole new thing that everybody has to do? Mm -hmm. Can't, can't we do something, you know, can't we understand what happened there so that we don't have to do this? So, you know, I had a lot of questions and I just kept on digging and digging. And the more I dug into the history, the more it was not what I thought it was at all. Um, you know, here's a, a magnified view of the data um, from starting in 1917. You could see when they introduced the vaccines not much of an effect. You can see there's an effect, but it's not, you know, it's not significant. It's not huge. It's, uh, you know, and, and this kind of stuff really just blew my mind. And, you know, over time I decided, well, you know, I should really share this information somehow. So I decided, well, maybe I should actually write a book. So I started writing a book and then, you know, life comes along and other things happen. And so I, said, well, I'm not going to write this book. Screw this. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. It's, I never wrote a book. I can't do this. So I uh, kind of bailed on the whole thing. And then um, life calmed down a little bit. And then I said, you know, I really should do that. So I restarted it again. So this was version two. I kind of scrapped the, the old version and I started working on it. And as I started putting together, I was listening to radio programs and uh, I knew I needed a co-author because, you know, who am I? I don't know. I don't even know how to write a book and it would be nice if I had a doctor. So I just need to have a doctor on board. And I think that would be great. And I, th- somehow I knew it was going to happen. And I was listening to this radio program. There's a lady on there and she was talking about smallpox and on this radio program. And I was like, oh, this is going to be my co-author. I, I knew it was going to be her. I just, I don't know how I knew. I just did. So I uh, tracked her down. She was living in Maine at the time and I gave her a call. She ignored my call. Second call, she ignored my call. And a third call, she finally, you know, returned my calls. And uh, this is uh, Suzanne Humphreys. Mm. And uh, she's, she was like, oh, I thought you were a quackbuster to, you know, give me a hard time because I was on the radio. I said, no, no. You know, I explained what I was doing and she's like very interested. So I, you know, me and my uh, wife at the time uh, drove up and, uh, you know, we had to chat. We had a very nice time. She's, she's a wonderful person, by the way. And, uh, you know, she has her own, um, you know, story to tell. And, uh, you know, she read some of my proto chapters and she's like, okay, yeah, let's work on this. And that's how that got going. Oh, and, and the, rest uh, is, the rest is history, I guess, because you guys, well, you've produced this amazing book, which is just so full of, it's such a great resource of information, like, because this information is not readily available. You can't walk into a medical library, like what you did and just open up a book and it has this data there. You've actually, actually put not- it all together. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's actually, you know, not, not now with the internet, anybody can do this. And I'll, I'll show you in a second. Um, yeah, we worked for like four years, like a lot. And I'm really, I'm an engineer by training. So I'm like really anal. I want to make sure everything is correct. I, I, when I started this, I was like, I don't care, you know, what the truth is. I just want to get to the truth as best as I can. You yeah. Know? And so all the references are double and triple checked and all the data points. I spent hours making sure every data point is exactly right. And uh, I didn't make one mistake in the book, but um, you know, so it did take a long time mm-hmm. to get everything just right. And then formatting a book and getting it published, you know, it did self-publishing because we couldn't get anybody to touch it. And uh, you know, so we got it done after, after four more years, we published in 2013. So did you approach other publishers and ask them or you just thought no one's going to take this and you didn't even bother approaching them? Well, at the time we were trying to get an agent because you can't talk to a publisher without an agent and the agents don't want to talk to you unless you publish something. So so it was really hard. I finally had an, finally got an agent that was interested. So I sent a chapter and, uh, He's like, no, there's too many quotes in there. You, you know, this, no, this, you can't, this is no good. You have to rewrite it. And I'm like, dude, I want the quotes in there. I think it tells the story by having the exact quotes, not me paraphrasing it. Hmm. But uh, he disagreed. So that didn't work out. No. Okay. And then, so he said, you know, there was a, a service at the tam- time, uh, Create Space. So I figured out how to use that, and uh, which wasn't really hard. It was actually a good service. Amazon bought them out. And, um, you know, so I just made it into a book and published it just like that, you know, boom, up, it's up on Amazon and all these other places. And that's how we got going. And, you know, so that was then, this is now, um, you can go to the internet now. Anyone can do this. It's not, it's really not that difficult. Uh, and I, um, somebody sent me an email and showed me that there's a vital statistics book that had charts in it. Okay. And, and so I was able to find it, which wasn't hard. I'll show everybody where the link is. And, you know, I went to page, whatever it is, which is on the website. You can find all these things on the website, dissolvingillusions.com. And there's that chart they had in, in the 1960s, which is exactly the chart I had created, you know, wow. 40 years later. So, you know, this is, this data is spot on and you can see it right there in the vital statistics. So had you seen this, this particular data um, before you developed your own graphs? No, no. I saw this chart um, just last year. Because it's literally, it's. It's exactly. Yeah. 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 I did not see this chart till last year. Somebody sent me an email. It's like, Hey, you know, this charts in this, uh, in this uh, vital statistics. Wow. I was like, really? Oh, that's cool. Let me go find it. <laughs> so it's right there. Realize. Yeah. So, you know, this is not, you know, you can verify this data. Anybody can verify this data if they want to, okay. because it's, it's, if you're hearing this for the first time, it's just like not believable. Yeah. You know, I didn't believe it. Who would believe this? <laughs> so, um, so you can find the stuff. You can go to dissolving illusions, go to photos and charts, and each of the charts has where the data came from. So you can just go find all those little pieces and recreate the same exact chart if you want. 
And that's true for any of these charts. You can go find all the pieces, put them all together and create your own chart. So then you know that I'm not making stuff up. Yeah, it's all, it's all there. Anyone can do it. I'm not special. Anyone can do this. And here's the, uh, here's the chart from the vital statistics. There's the link. You can take the link, click on it, go to page 85, and you'll see this chart. And there's a bunch of other charts there too. So this is you know all easily found. You can get this stuff, go to CDC. It's on the CDC website, you know, kind of ironically. So all this stuff is all there. This is all official government data. It's not from some herbal journal or anything like that. This is real data. You can't get better data than this. So, you know, this is, um, you know, how anybody can do this. Let's see, where was I? And I mean, these, these data sets and, and graphs and things, I would assume probably aren't made to be common knowledge to say someone who's just started going through medical school. Like, I don't think they would sit down medical students and say, Hey, look, this is what happened with infectious disease over all these. Well, of time. I don't, I don't know personally, because I didn't go through medical school. I'm an engineer by training. So, uh, but I've talked to doctors and nurses that, you know, looked at this stuff later. They're not taught anything about vaccines except to give them on schedule. They're not taught any of the history. They're not taught about the ingredients. They're simply told, this is what you do, and here's the schedule, and that's it. Mm. Uh, that might not always be true, but that's that's the uh, stories I've heard from nurses and doctors. Yeah, so, well, I've spoken to quite a few doctors uh, about this topic over the last couple of years, and none of them ever mentioned that they were exposed to this kind of information. So. No, so uh, yeah, it's not part of their curriculum. So it's not part of their belief system. And because it's not part of their belief system, you get indoctrinated into thinking, well, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at the data and the history, you start looking at you know something completely different. It's like, wait a second, this something's wrong here, which is what happened to me. This is what happened to Suzanne. This is what happened to lots of uh, people I know. You know, they started looking at this stuff and it's like, wait a second, <laughs> something's not quite right here. So that's how you get going on all this stuff. Um, here's another case. So this pertussis is whooping cough, mm-hmm. just another name for it. You know, same kind of thing, decline in, in mortality uh, before they introduced the vaccine. You can see with the trend line, you, you can't really tell when the vaccine came in. If you were just looking at the trend line, the trend line's nice and smooth and it goes down. And that's when they introduced the vaccine. There is no big drop off. There is nothing extraordinary about it. Mm. And uh, so it was declining anyway. So, you know, did the you know vaccine have any effect on mortality? Apparently not from this. Maybe it had other effects, but not from mortality. So, which be, is kind of interesting. It'd be interesting to... Um, I guess we, we'll never know, but it would be interesting to see what would have happened to that trend line if there was no vaccine ever introduced. Would it have gone well, down to that same rate anyway? Um, but I think there are infectious diseases, infectious diseases where there was no vaccine and they reduced pretty much to zero anyway, right? Sure, sure. So um, 
Yeah, well, well, here's another example of diphtheria. That's another uh, vaccine that they started using in the 1920s, which is part of the DTP vaccine, you know, diphtheria tetanus, tetanus pertussis. And, uh, you know, here they introduced it in 1920. And again, the trend line shows it, you know, going down. Did the vaccine have any real effect? And there's also no way to know how much of this vaccine was really used because there's no records, you know, how many people actually got these things. Mm. But, uh, you know, there's no apparent massive drop off right after. As a matter of fact, there's a spike up. Yeah, there's a spike up every time, you know, with the diphtheria vaccine. Same thing with the flu. So the flu, which, um, you know, used to kill huge amounts of people. And then by the you know 1970s was down by 90% already. So something happened, you know, what are these factors that affected, you know, you know, flu pneumonia? Because they lumped the two things together, influenza pneumonia. So why did we have a 90% drop off? No one seems to be interested. Like every other infectious disease, there's never a question. It's simply, oh, now we have a vaccine. Yeah. Well, okay, but why did that happen? And no one seems to actually, you know, be interested in that, which I find very amazing that across, you know, decades and lots of medical literature, almost no one's really interested. There are a few examples, but it's very, very, uh, very rare. And surely you'd want to know that if you really wanted to know <laughs> about disease and health, you'd so sort of ask oh, that yeah. question, wouldn't you? You would think, yeah. That's that's what's so um, you know shocking about the whole thing. Still, um, yeah, chalked up to the vaccine saved us all from yeah. these crazy diseases. Yeah. All right, and then if you look at the um, mortality rate over the last forty years. They started vaccinating back in the 70s, and the vaccination rates went up. And this is in 65 plus year old people. The you know, vaccination levels, you know, at 60, 70 percent, you know, they're doing a pretty good job. But the mortality rate hasn't changed in 40 years. It went actually went up for a number of years, and now it's basically at the same level as it was when we started. Hmm. So what are, what are we doing this for? Does this make any sense? And again, this is all from you know CDC data. Hmm. You can go to the website and the spreadsheet is available. You can download it. You can check the references. You can look at you know, the spreadsheet, how all the data is all put together. And you can say, hey, wait a second. This is not right. Well, let me know where the mistake is. But I've had people look at it and there's apparently no mistake. Maybe there is a mistake somewhere, but uh, I don't think there is. But it, this is for everybody to check out. And then, then go, why are we doing this? There's something wrong with the picture, as far as I can tell. You know? So we had no improvement in mortality for you know, 40 years, four, four decades of, of um, flu vaccinations. So is the vaccine really doing what it's supposed to be doing? Have you shown this, this data to other medical doctors and health professionals and I'm sure you have over the years. Um, what was their response when they're presented with this information? Well, you, usually doctors or nurses that um, already have questioned the the paradigm, you know, chat chat with us or chat with me, and they're like, you know, they're they're blown away by it. But uh, you know, they understand it and it makes sense to them. No one ever questioned the data, <laughs> and. Um, 
pretty much everybody goes, yeah, that's, uh, you know, wow. But um, they, you know, I don't know what they do with their lives after that, but, you know, they understand it. And some of them are get on board with it. Some people just continue on with their lives doing what they were doing before, you know? So, uh, you know, people's jobs are dependent on, you know, believing in the vaccines. Mm. And that's one of the holy sacraments. You can't not, you know, say, hey, vaccines are the greatest thing ever invented. Uh, otherwise, you're in trouble. You know, you start getting called names. You could lose your job. You know, I know nurses that uh, during the flu, big uh, flu push, flu vaccine push, they were pushing it onto all the healthcare workers. Uh, this was a number of years ago. And there was nurses that they wanted to protest, but ultimately they didn't because they didn't want to lose their jobs. Hmm. Yeah. And when so. you published this book, did you expect some backlash and did you get backlash uh i didn't expect anything when i published the book i just felt like i should uh i didn't know if it was you know going to sell three copies or what you know i I just did it because i felt like i should get the truth out Hmm. um yeah there was definitely a lot of people going they were really appreciative and you know really liked the information because you know we tried to really be very very accurate you know, there's always mistakes in books, but, you know, we try to be really accurate. So there was a lot of appreciation for that. But then there was the people that, you know, were a little ticked off. <laughs> I bet. So, yeah. So you get called names sometimes, you know, baby killer or, you know, that kind of thing, hmm. um, which, you know, didn't really bother me because, you know, I'm just telling the truth, you know, that's the way it is, you know. Uh, Suzanne got a lot more horrible things happening to her. Uh, she got lots of death threats because she's the doctor. So. Uh, people uh, and and people did things against her. They fixed her brakes. They, you know, threatened to uh, basically come to some event and kill everybody there. You know, so it's you know serious serious stuff that people do. You know, really horrible things. Um, but and she's were a strong. These other, were these other health professionals, or they were just general members of the public, or you don't know who they were? Or? No, when people threaten you with your life, they don't generally say, "Hey, my name's Bob. <laughs> I'm going to kill so. you." Yeah. <laughs> so we don't even we don't even know who this was, uh, or if it was serious, or it was just try to rattle her cage so she shuts up, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But you know, uh, but she's uh, by the way a brilliant person. And she's, she's often criticized that she went off to make money as a homeopath. She's not a homeopath. She gave up a, a beautiful career as a nephrologist, making hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, with a wonderful office in Maine, having a you know house and a great life. She gave that all up because she saw that this was wrong and wanted to get the truth out. So she uh, sacrificed lots it's not like she went off to make lots of money. That's 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 something you you can read on the internet that she went off and made lots of money. That's 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 absurd. Yeah, it's completely absurd. It's actually the opposite. And um, you know, so she's a completely honest, uh, wonderful spiritual person. You know, you can't find anybody of better quality than that. So yeah, so she got a lot of crap for uh, for doing this, especially because she has a doctor named. You know, well, you're a doctor. You can't do that. And what sort of years are we talking here? Like, when was that happening? Uh, almost from the beginning. Yeah. 
2013. Right. Yeah. As soon as it went out, um, you know, she, cause she was doing radio programs and, and things like that. She was a lot more public than I was. I went off and had my own life stuff to do after it was published. I'm like, I'm published. I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> but I didn't really do too much uh, publicly. She, she was the you know, public face of it. Okay. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of, yeah. a lot of guts to do what you've done. So I commend you, both of you. Well, I didn't think it was gutsy at all when I started, to be honest, I was like, oh, okay, well, here's, here's information. You know, again, I'm an you know, engineer and I was like, here's the data, here's the information, you know, this is the conclusion. It's, you know, if you think it's wrong, say so, you know, but if you, if you just ticked off because it flies in the face of your ideology, well, you'll get over it, you know? So, um, and do people criticize you because you're an engineer? They're like, what would you know? You're not a medical doctor. Well, yeah, that's always the, that's always the game, right? So mm-hmm. if you're not a doctor, you're not a doctor. So what do you know? You can't talk about this. But if you're a doctor, you know, talk about this, then you're the wrong kind of doctor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there's, al- there's always a reason why you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, dude, here's the data. Here's the information. It's how could it be, you know, you know where is it wrong? But that's never pointed out. Yeah, it's you know, a fallacious it's, argument. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just basically you know just uh, there's a lot of name calling, which which I find funny because when I was a kid, I always used to think, gee, you know, when you get to be an adult, no one's going to be calling you poopy head or you know all sorts of of, of you know name calling and just bullying and stuff like that that you you know if you encounter when you're growing up. Yeah. Well, I was well, I was completely wrong. Bullying and name calling is standard fare for adults they do it all the time mm-hmm. so look when people call people anti-vaxxer i mean you might as well just call them poopy head i mean it's it's silly you know if 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 i say hey you know the mortality decre- decreased by you know 90 to 100 percent before any vaccines how is that nothing but information right you can't have a discussion about these things because people just call your names it's 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 really it's really kind of embarrassing really but this is the way people often behave you know and sometimes i anyway. think it's good for people from outside it doesn't matter um what profession it is if you get someone with a, um a fresh perspective looking from the outside in they're not coming in with biases um they're not coming in with sort of predetermined opinions or perspectives on things. Uh, and I think that probably, would you say that helped you looking at this? Well, with the yeah. So, yeah, well, I, I came in with my bias. Suzanne came out with the bias, right? We were both pro-vaccine, you know. How did, <laughs> why, were, why were we pro-vaccine? Because we thought they saved us from all these diseases. Yes. So we came with a positive bias. To right. But being an engineer, uh, I like to go to neutral and just get at the truth, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, you know, I used to design massive software programs that had millions of lines of code. I had to be organized. I had to really understand everything. I can't just like wing it and just guess. Right. So I had to really understand things. Mm-hmm. And so that's my you know background. So that gave me the capability of just sitting here and going through stuff and, and, and once I got going, it actually wasn't that difficult because everything was flying in the face of my original belief system. So that got crushed pretty quickly. <laughs> so, um, again, and you know, the, the, the data is there, the, the history is there. And if it doesn't agree with your preconceived notions, well, 
that's okay. You can believe whatever you want to believe. People can believe what they want to believe. But um, you know, to me, this this information is pretty rock solid. There's some graphs that I've seen for, and maybe you're going to um, talk about this in your presentation, but there are some um, graphs that I've seen where the disease was all but stamped out, but no vaccine was ever rolled out. Yeah, I was just, we're problem. getting, we're, we're getting close to that. So okay, we'll just, cool. Sorry. We can, <laughs> oh, don't, don't be sorry. We can skip ahead or whatever, but no, uh, no please. I, I, yeah, I'm really interested in the yeah, whole presentation. This, so this, this data, so the United States started keeping mortality statistics in 1900 for at a national level. And in England, they started in 1838. So I was able to get the data from the 1800s uh, on in England. So this is the this is measles, and measles was a big killer in the 1800s. But you know, there's there's some data gaps I wasn't able to get every year. But if you look at the you know this chart, you can see the 1800s were horrible. You know, and then starting late 1800s down to the 1900s, the measles deaths just plummeted. So by the time they started vaccinating, which is 1968, you almost had 100% decline in mortality. This is not a tiny drop. This is, this is yeah. you know, you almost had the whole problem solved when you started vaccinating. And, you know, to me, it's like, you know, again, you know, why did it drop 100%? You know, do we really need to have this massive program where everybody has to do it and they get bullied and, and this certain number of neurological damage and you don't, you know why are we doing this? It, it just still blows my mind, you know? And some, like some um, data that I've seen, maybe it was measles or another disease. They zoom right into that point where they introduce the oh, vaccine. Sure, sure. And then you see this huge drop off and they go, see, it did have an effect. But when you look at sure, it from sure. a big macro perspective, you actually look at that and go, what? yeah, that's actually, that's actually quite common. Um, and, and, it's one of the things of trying to unraveling why there's such a pro-vaccine bias, right? So like, this is an example where you're zooming in and you're looking at the trends when the vaccine was introduced in England, you can see the trend line shows that there's really no real difference. But what they'll do like in the US data, they'll start and you know, are they, somehow they're picking this data with some kind of selection bias. And so they'll start in 1957 and you could see in, in this chart, if you started in 1957 or 1962 or something like that, mm. you'll see much more of a difference after the vaccine. So you know, this happened, you know, there's different um, journals that this occurred in where they show the data, but they show it from a perspective where it makes the vaccine look good. They don't show you the entire data set. Or they ignore the entire data set. They say, well, you know, there was a big drop off after the vaccine. That's it. They don't, they don't really tell you the entire story, which, you know, shows some kind of bias. Why are they biased? Maybe it's ideological, maybe it's financial, or I don't know, because I don't know these particular authors, but they clearly had a bias when they, you know, write these journal articles, you know, all the way back into the 1980s, 19s. I think 1980s as far back as I went for that. But they they general they they never say, hey, yeah, there was a big drop before and explain why. It just never talked about. 
Uh, same thing with whipping cough in England, big killer 1800s. Again, we have data gaps because I don't have all the data, couldn't find it. Uh, big drop off, almost 100% before they started vaccinating national vaccine program, 1957. So again, massive drop before, no explanation given. And we're just going to, you have to vaccinate. We're all, we're all going to, the implication is if we don't all vaccinate, we're going to have big plagues again and we're all going to die, which this data shows that that's probably not going to be true. Were you surprised that you could find data this accurate going so back as like 1838? Yeah, I was quite surprised. <laughs> yeah. I've always yeah. looked at these graphs and gone, wow, I can't believe how well the, the records were kept in relation to this information. Well, yeah. Um, somebody helped me out with some of this. Uh, I forgot the guy's name because it was so many years ago. He sent me a CD of England. And uh, I think they started in 1900. And I had to, I had to collate the data. It was a real pain in the ass, I'll tell you. <laughs> took me a long time. And then I was able to find these other fragments. I went to various medical history libraries. And so these are all the different little fragments you can see up in the references that were difficult to find. I don't know how easy they are to find now, but um, you know, I, I was able to find these pieces and, and piece the whole thing together. So when you go to England, it's a little more difficult. But you, you, can't, you probably can find all these references now online. Uh, I guess, and then punch it in your own spreadsheet and recreate this chart. Mm. And, you know, well, I'll just move on. <laughs> and uh, to the point where, you know, if we stop vaccinating, what's going to happen? We're all going to die. You know, there's going to be massive plagues and stuff like that. In the 70s, because of um, scares of the DTB vaccine, in England, their vaccination rate, the blue dotted blue line dropped off quite dramatically. And you can see in this chart from, you know, 1900, when they started 1957, this, this is the total deaths. It's not normalized to deaths per 100,000, but there was virtually no deaths after 1957 anyway. And when the vaccination rates dropped off in the seventies, there was no big resurgence it wasn't suddenly a big spike up of whooping cough deaths. It was really no effect at all. And you would uh, expect maybe. to see an increase in deaths when people stop vaccinating yeah. at such high rates, wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. When the blue dotted line dropped, there should have been, if the vaccine was saving that many lives, there should have been at least some spike up. There's, I think if you zoom in, there might be a tiny, tiny, tiny amount, but hmm. it's, it's not significant. No, it's not significant. I don't have that. Okay. I don't have a zoom zoom version, but it's, it's not, it's not anything massive. You would expect to see a big gray spike up during that blue spike down, but there's, there's, there's really nothing, nothing of significance. So that shows that, you know, if we stop vaccinating at least and mortality and mortality would be no, there would be no big deal. Which is, again, flies in the face of, you know, societal common sense, right? You're vaccinating. Well, if we stop, we're going to all die or a lot of people are going to die. Well, this was an experiment. It didn't fully stop vaccinating. And it was, you know, for, you know, a number of years and they got the vaccination rates back up. Actually, they got them back up to you know over 90% because they're really good at promoting vaccines. Uh, but 
if it dropped down to 30% again, probably wouldn't be much of a big deal. So why did the vaccination rate drop? I know you mentioned it. Um, there was a scare about, I think there was a program that came out. Uh, maybe it was called Vaccine Roulette. It was on you know regular television. So a lot of people oh, really? saw it. And yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that. But, uh, you know, a lot of parents got scared, like, well, I'm not going to inject my kid, you know, and cause brain damage. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I'm not, I'm out. No, I'm not going to do it. And so there was a big panic in the in the in the public health, so-called public health sector. They're like, oh, wow, this is not good. And they started, you know, trying to you know promote it and get it back up again. And they did. So but nobody bothered to go look to see, you know, this was it really necessary and uh, not really. As you can see by this data, and do you think it's like sorry to um, interrupt you? I was just going to ask. No, do you no. Think events ahead. like that, um, when the, the medical system seen, oh, there was a huge drop off when there was attention being brought to some of the potential adverse effects of the vaccines. Therefore, we can't let this happen again. And now we have to have a really strong campaign pushing the vaccines. And anyone who speaks out against it, we can't have that dissent anymore. And we're just going to keep them quiet and shut them up. And we certainly wouldn't be airing any programs on TV like that ever again. Do you think like, yeah, I'm sure there was a scramble. Yeah. Yeah. The public health official or public governments or pharmaceutical industries are, you know, they're very keen to you know, make sure that, and I think most of it's ideological because they're like me and Suzanne, before we looked at this and a lot of other people, you know, well, we don't want people to die in massive numbers, you know, cause we have vaccines, you know, it's, it's a belief system. And, um, so, you know, they're not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, then profits come into it too. So, you know, if once your, you know, your livelihood is based on making profits from these things, you know, that's going to play into it as well. Like, you know, like anything else, but I think most of it's ideological, like a belief system, like most people have. Yeah. So you get caught into that and thinking, well, you know, we can't stop this. We're going to have lots of, lots of, you know, babies dying and stuff like that. So we don't want that. Who who wants that? No one wants that, right? No, we all just want the best for humanity, don't we? We, we want to make sure that people are happy and yeah. healthy and safe. Well, I, I, and I think most doctors and nurses that subscribe to, you know, vaccination and they get mad and call you names and stuff like that, you know, they're not bad people. They're just like, you know, dude, you know, you're going to kill a lot of people if we stop doing this. You're, you're a horrible person. So I understand. It just, I don't think it's true. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, people believe what they want to believe and they think it's believe, you know, they believe in, you know, science, of course, science isn't just a, you know, this fixed, you know, rock in the, in the ocean, you know, it's like, here's science we're, we're done. <laughs> um, it's, you know, there's a lot of different things you can look at different ways you can look at things, but you know, these things are generally just not looked at And you know, on this chart, I don't think very many people know that there wasn't much of a change. They don't know. They don't go back and look at the data. They're just, you know, they're fixated on doing the vaccine thing or other interventions as well. And and by the way, this decline in these diseases came before other medical interventions. There was no antibiotics or anything like that early on. There was no no real medical interventions. They had very little effect on the overall overall mortality rate. Which is what I found out as I'm, you know, reading all this history, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Example: scarlet fever, England, 
big killer, much big, one of the biggest killers. It was called the Fell Destroyer. Everybody knew somebody who died from scarlet fever. It was, it was a, it was a real bad one. Uh, again, same pattern, late 1800s declined, went to zero with no vaccine. Yeah. No well, vaccine. That's well, there was, telling. there was a vaccine, but it was, uh, a real, real bad vaccine and killed, killed quite a few people when they were trying to, you know, launch it. And it just kind of went away, but there's no public vaccine program for scarlet fever. Now we just go, Oh, you got, you got strep throat, you know, no big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, but in the 1800s, you know, you were, you were in deep trouble. You were, you were going to die. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. And I guess with this as well, like scarlet fever, I think they say is caused by a, a bacteria supposedly. Well, I think I, th- I think that's where uh, we have a major fallacy. Um, that we, we're in this germ-centric thinking, mm. and I, you know, I think these charts disprove, in the broadest possible sense, germ theory. Right? Mm. Um, let's say there's a germ that causes a problem. Well, it's not in isolation. It's not that you encounter a germ and then you get sick and die. It has to do with the health of your society. It has to do with your personal health. If your society is healthy and you're healthy, and that's what these charts show, then these you know, so-called infectious diseases are not much of a problem. Hmm. So it's not you know, this idea that you know, we're just human beings, doesn't matter anything about you. If you get this thing, whatever it might be, a bacteria or a virus, and it's could, you know, it's going to kill you. It's just simply not true. You know, it has to do with your health. It, it always has. So in the 1800s, people were not healthy, despite what you might think from movies and stuff. They were not healthy. There, it was a very, very hard time to be alive. Um, and then we got really smart and started cleaning things up, starting really in the mid 1800s. And you know, we all benefited from all those changes. I think in regards to scarlet fever, I, I have had discussions with people about this. They say, well, the reason why scarlet fever went to zero is because we got really good antibiotics. So it's got- No, that, that's, not, that's actually not true either. Yeah, that, so the uh, penicillin came in, in mass production at, you know, during World War II. That's in the, in the 40s. And you can see from this chart, uh, 1940s, we're pretty much not a big problem at this point. Mm. It's as good as zeroed out. Hasn't yeah, well, it's probably a little bit there. Uh, yeah, it's pretty close to zero. You're already down by, you know, probably almost uh, almost 100% before, you know, they came out with using antibiotics for this kind of stuff. Incredible. So, yeah, and I was just talking about, you know, we have this idea germ equals disease equals vaccine. You know, that's our simple, you know, uh, fifth grade equation that we all kind of subscribe to. And, uh, you know, it's just not true. There's a lot more to the picture than just the germ makes you sick and kills you. So we need a vaccine. And uh, so this chart, what I'm trying to show here is here's the, the measles again in England. If, you know, vaccines were really the important thing, the yellow line would have been true. Right. The mortality rate would have stayed the same all the way until they got the vaccine and there would have been a giant drop off. Uh, but that's not what happened. 
we don't have, that's not what occurred. So it's, there's a lot more to the story than just the germ coming along and killing you. It has to do with your health and it has to do with societal health. And you're right. That is exactly what we would expect to see. And if I saw data like that, then I wouldn't be questioning any of this stuff, but it's the, well, yeah. So if I, if I open that little booklet, you know, 20 plus years ago and I saw the yellow line chart, I've been like, oh, okay, well, okay, great, great. Let's keep vaccinating. I'd be, a, I would still be pro-vaccine. Why wouldn't I be? Yeah, look at that. It used to kill lots of people in 1960, uh, whatever. Hey, everything's fine. Okay, great. Disease is conquered. I'm a happy guy. <laughs> so, but that's not what happens. Saves you four years of your life writing a book, hey? Well, more than that. I worked on it for 20 years. Did you really? Basically. Wow. Well, 15 years on and off. You know, you have life stuff going on. Yeah. So on and off. And then the four years uh, with Suzanne, that was more intense. Hmm. And, you know, other people helped. My wife helped me tremendously. And, you know, and then there was other people proofing and I can remember all the people that helped, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a quite a bit of, quite a bit of time, but it was, it was a passion project. Hmm. Yeah. We both want to get at the truth of stuff. So. Yes. Uh, so this is kind of, you know, this composite from 1838 uh, all the way down to 1976. So you can see 1800s, death, death, death. People died of nonstop diseases and plagues and it was just horrible. And, you know, by the 1950s, yeah, not really much of a problem. Yeah, yeah, quite a I, messy chart. No, I, and I think it's a good chart, actually. I think I contacted you maybe, I can't remember now, several months ago and asked if I could have permission to use this in one of my presentations because I thought it was such a great graph combining all of that information together to basically say, yeah. hey, look, are these things actually really doing what we think they're doing? Yeah, yeah. I updated the website so it says, you know, Please use anything you want. Uh, this is all public information. I just put it together in charts. You know? hmm. So uh, I updated the website so people don't have to ask me because I've, I've had that request numerous times. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's, use it. Use it. <laughs> use it any way, which way you want. <laughs> if you're pro-vaccine and you want to use it, go ahead. You know, it's free information. I'm, I'm a big believer in you know, sharing information. You know, This is the information. Please use it. And uh, just another little chart that shows the mortality decline, you know, from the late 1800s to the 1900s. Um, this is infant mortality in, in Hamburg, um, Germany. So I'm guessing that big spike in sort of the 1940s was from the war. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, infant mortality. So it's a combination of things, right? Yeah, sure. Hmm. Yeah. When you, you know, bomb a whole continent and caused massive disruption is going to be increasing infant mortality of course same thing with the world war one but basically aside from those things you can see the trend line is continuously down right and we talked about you know germ theory versus terrain theory right so the terrain's what's really important it's not about the you know the microbe you know generally speaking anyway where are you with all of that? Because um, I've spent a lot of time looking into this and I'm at the point now where I 
don't, I don't think that there is anything that can infect us and make us sick. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've been looking at a lot of sort of studies where they tried to make people sick by exposing them to viruses and germs and all this sort of stuff. And they failed basically every, well, yeah, every single time they failed. Um, Where are you with that at the moment? Have have you looked at the work of people like um, Andrew Kaufman and Tom Cowan Mm -hmm. These other kinds of doctors. Um, sure, sure, sure. So there's 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 two camps in the in this. So the germ is there and it causes a problem. Yeah. And then there's you know the germs don't do anything, you know, mm-hmm. or they're not they don't even exist. You can't isolate them. You know, you can isolate bacteria, but you can't isolate uh, viruses. <laughs> to me, uh, the important point is it's about your health. And if you take care of your health and this, you know, we know how to do that now. We didn't know what we were doing in the 1800s. 1800s are horrible. If we keep our societies healthy, that's all that really matters. And then whether the germ is actually causing a problem is not significant because they don't cause much of a problem. So, you know, I'm, I go back and forth. I'm honestly not decided. I have, I'm, I'm between the two camps and probably because I always look for more and more information. So it'll probably take me a few years to kind of settle out on something. And then I could change my mind anyway, but um, there's, there's information that shows that to me, that the microbes, some cases haven't been isolated and have not been shown to you know, if you really wanted to do uh, an experiment, you would isolate a virus somehow, right? With a centrifuge, you would get a bunch of that virus and you would spray it in somebody's face, you know, basically, and see if they got sick. That's how you know that it really gets you sick. I don't think that's really been done. Certainly not with um, uh, our modern or recent uh, virus thing that's going around. Does that mean there's no virus? Uh, there's other stuff that seems to imply there is. So, I, you know, I go back and forth on that. I'm not really sure. Um, are these things deadly? They, none of these things, including smallpox, were deadly. Once you cleaned up the environment, and once you cleaned up your health, smallpox, I have that later on, but um, it declined and faded away in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, like every other disease. It used to kill one in five by the time you got into the 1900s, like 1940, it was confused with chickenpox. It wasn't killing people anymore. Just like every other one of those diseases, measles, typhoid, typhus, everything, all declined at the same time. That's a big hint right there. When everything declines at the same time, well, you know, there's got to be some kind of common factor, right? And uh, it was really the improvement in, you know, societal and personal health. I guess, and like the other uh, sort of argument that I've heard people say, like, regardless of how you look at this, a germ doesn't make you sick. Um, And even if there was a germ that could make you sick, when you're in the presence of someone else, I get sick. They don't get sick. You say to the doctor, well, why didn't the other person get ill? They were in contact with me. Oh, they got a strong mm-hmm. immune system. Oh, okay. So what was the thing that made their immune system strong? Oh, well, you know, they took enough zinc and they had enough vitamin C in their diet and they were not too stressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is if I really want to protect myself against this stuff, if, if there is really an infectious agent in the environment, 
I just need the zinc and the vitamin C and to live a life that's not too stressful um, and live in a fairly sort of uh, clean environment, um, which is not going to breed disease like they used to in the, in the 1800s living in their own squalor. Um, oh, yeah. So regardless of whichever way you look at it, the germ's not going to make you sick, as you said, if, if you're looking after your health. Yeah. Well, I, I don't say it never makes you sick, but it's, you know, you might get sick from the germ or maybe you're not getting sick from the germ, you know, uh, it could be that you're vitamin D deficient, which is causing you, you know, some problems because a lot of people have lower vitamin D during the winter, as you would expect. Right. And so they get, you know, sick. So what is the, what's the reason? Is it because you're vitamin D deficient or is it because you encountered a microbe? Um, yeah, I think a lot of this, sorry, go no, you first, <laughs> I was just going to say, is the symptom of the vitamin D deficiency that symptom picture? And we are now confusing it with an infectious right. disease. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we, we've, uh, this is an accident of history. So they came out with a newfangled device in the 1800s it's called the microscope. And so they looked and go, oh, look, these, these things in there, that's, what's making us sick. Hmm. And so that caught on as a, as an idea. Right. But they didn't, really have the perspective to say, well, it's because people are unhealthy. Uh, their immune systems are really, you know, not very good, you know, cause you're, you're in the, the, the tank that's dirty. Everyone's in the dirty tank. So you don't think, gee, well, what if we were in a clean tank? So, so they blamed it hundred percent on these microbes, right? And when they couldn't find the microbes and they said, well, there's viruses, there are even smaller microbes that we can't see. Right. And so that whole, whole ideology started in 1800. So people attached to that ideology. So they blamed a hundred percent of it on this microbe. But what happened is the, the, we got to the clean tank and actually, I think now we're in a dirtier tank, but by the 1970s, we're in a very clean tank. And so we didn't have any of these problems, but no one went back to say, well, it's not all, it's not about the microbe. It's about your tank. And I think that's, you know, we got stuck with that ideology, mm. which has not served us well because we're letting our tank get dirtier and dirtier, thinking that we just need the, 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 the shots to keep us healthy. And uh, so we, you know, we're missing the big picture. And, you know, they didn't have that big picture in the 1800s because everybody was in the dirty tank. <laughs> so yeah. they, they didn't realize that everybody was in the dirty tank. That was not what they were looking at. They were looking at these microbes. Mm. And blaming everything on the microbe. And we can see like in the case of scarlet fever, you know, the microbe is not a big deal. You know, if you get scarlet fever, you know, they can give you antibiotics if they, if you want to go mainstream, but really something's wrong with your, your system. If you're being susceptible to that. And we know now what they didn't know then is you're filled with microbes. You're filled with fungus and bacteria and all sorts of you know critters you're, you're, you know, you have more of these critters running, you know, in your body than you have human cells, mm. you know, by count. So you're in balance with all these things. You're, you know, you're a walking fungal and bacterial colony. <laughs> so, which is kind of, you know, you, people don't want to think about it that way, but you're, you're packed with these things. And if you didn't, if, if you take creatures and put them in a sterile environment, completely sterile environment, they die. You need these things, you know, and then, you know, 
And then, but people go, oh, well, there's these special ones that are deadly. Well, again, these charts show that's not true. You know, what about smallpox? Well, smallpox declined too without a vaccine. Well, there was a vaccine, but it was around for a hundred years before it started to decline. So it wasn't the vaccine that did it. And we can, we can get to that later. Yeah. Cool. So it's, it's, you know, back to your original point, you know, is, is the germ there? Is it, you know, is it what's causing the disease? It doesn't really matter because if you're in a clean tank, it's not a problem. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah. And you brought up, uh, we'll kind of just go through this a little bit. I like this cartoon. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's like scientism. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So this is, we talked about, you know, bias in medical journals. So here's one, this is a big report in 1988. Um, Journal Pediatrics. I read the whole whole study. It's huge. You know, it's a lot of pages. But this is the first paragraph. They go, well, there used to be five to ten thousand deaths per year uh, back before the vaccine. Now there's five to ten. Well, all that's true, but they don't provide any context. And they move on uh, with the rest of the you know massive paper talking about vaccines. The, the problem is if you're a busy doctor or a busy, busy medical professional, you might, maybe you just read the first paragraph and go, oh, well, okay. That's why we uh, immunize kids. You know, this is great. You know, you have to be an idiot not to want to immunize your kid. You know, it used to be 10,000 deaths. Now there's almost done. Mm. Right. The problem is this, this is very misleading because this is the real chart, right? So you had, Five to 10,000 deaths back in the early 1900s. And then it had declined by 92% or so before the vaccine. And the trend line is just down like we saw before. So this, this article that's saying this is completely misleading. Yeah. You pick, you cherry pick a data point back here, and then you pick a data point way out here and go, well, it's because of the vaccine. Well, that's simply not the case. Mm. This is this happens through medical literature all the time. You know, again, the trend line shows, you know, you know, didn't have much of an effect. Um, here's another one, measles mortality. It's back in the 70s. They have a nice little chart here. They show on a logarithmic chart the massive, you know, decline after the vaccine, right? They go, look, this was a striking decline. And you know, if you just look at this chart, you're like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you want to vaccinate against measles? You have to be an idiot, right? So doctors read this, they look at that picture and I'm not saying doctors are stupid or anything, of course not, but you have to actually dig into it and go beyond what they're telling you in the, in the, in the, in, the, in you know, the article. <laughs> and if you take this data and just chart it on a regular one, you get the same exact chart but the authors don't say anything about the striking massive decline before the vaccine. They simply give you this chart <laughs> and say, look, it's great because their focus is on the vaccine. It's not on disease prevention or disease yes. mortality decline. Otherwise they would have showed you this chart and go, well, there was a massive decline before. And then after the vaccine, there was a bit of a decline as well. Okay. That would be fair, but they don't do that. 
It's so obvious when you look at it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I find it hard to believe that no one of these people that wrote these studies didn't know this. They just excluded it for whatever reason it might be. Mm. Uh, here's another article. Where was this published? Oh, JAMA, right? 2007. So they're, they're always looking at, and you can tell by the titles, vaccine preventable diseases. So, you know, it's always, the vaccine's always the, the key thing they always look at. So if you look at any of these studies, it's, um, you know, here's pertussis and pertussis immunization. It's not like, you know, it's not a article saying, you know, mortality decline and pertussis. How, how, what can we do? Everything that we could do, let's do it. No, it's always just about the vaccine. It's always this vaccine centric you know, view of the universe. And so here's another one. We just pick off measles, which we talked about earlier. They show from 1953 to 1962, there's about 440 deaths on average, which is true. And then by 2004, there was zero. So they say 100% of the credit goes to the vaccine. <laughs> okay. All this, all this stuff on this line is 100% accurate. Mm. But if you look at the chart, this is what we're looking at. 1953 to 1962, when the deaths were massively already done, they don't go before 1953 because that would be embarrassing, I guess. <laughs> so mm. you can't attribute the, the mortality decline to the vaccine. That's, that's just not good science. That's not logical because you already had that massive decline before. Yeah, they could literally say anything they wanted was the, the reduction in um in death they wouldn't even have to say it was a vaccine they could just pick anything right um, well yeah their, their focus is on the vaccine yeah um and you know I, again i don't know who these uh authors are you know you know why did they pick that i you know it's, it's hard for me to believe that they didn't pick it on purpose mm. that they had this data sets by the way these these papers reference data sets like historical data sets. So they have the entire data set. So they purposely, well, at least as far as I can tell, purposely pick dates to make the vaccine look better. <laughs> and, you know, so, so you have these three papers that you can, you can go look up and, you know, you can look at the data yourself, but this creates a pro vaccine bias over many decades because every paper written basically does the same thing they ignore the data before and focus in, on the vaccine because they're that's their their focus so are these people working for pharmaceutical companies are they just biased do they not want to say something that's anti-vaccine because they're afraid of you know not being published or being ostracized or you know who knows why uh, do they have investments in vaccines? You know, uh, I, you know who knows. But for whatever reason, you know, we've created this uh, cycle where it's everything published is pro-vaccine. So therefore, everybody who reads it is pro-vaccine, and so you get this feedback loop. So that I think that's what's occurred over many many decades. This kind of you know selection bias, mm. like in like in that cartoon, you know. <laughs> confirmation bias right yep i was like uh i like mark twain he's he was such a clever dude you know 
So three kinds of lies, damn lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> so, you know, so when we, we wrote the book, I was very anal about trying to show every data point, whatever the data shows is what it shows. You know, don't, don't pick data like uh, apparently these authors did in these you know medical journals. Don't pick the data just to make it tell a story. Don't do that. I don't, I, I don't believe in that. I believe try to try to be as fair and accurate as you can. Absolutely. But, you know, being a human, you know, you can, uh, you can only do what you can do as best as you can. Hmm. Yeah. We all make mistakes and stuff. Right. But sure. I mean, there's, uh, there's a big difference between some of the conclusions that are being drawn here uh, and what's really going on the alternative conclusions that actually probably should have been drawn from that data. Yeah. I'm still amazed that so few, um, so, so few studies actually looked at this stuff. Mm. It's just, it's just mind boggling. There's certainly no documentaries on it. There's certainly no uh, news reports on it or anything like that. Nothing really written about in any kind of magazines. It's, it's just, it's like this, um, third rail nobody ever touches it which i didn't really know when i was you know, working on this darn thing i remember reading but, uh, a, oh sorry no go ahead i remember reading a paper it was the journal of pediatrics i'm not sure if it was the one that you were sharing just before but in that paper they did talk about that very thing they were saying that the rates of infectious disease mortality had declined well before vaccines or antibiotics or any of these sort of pharmaceutical interventions were available. Um, and it was in a, in a very big report. Uh, I think it was the early two thousands, maybe 90, yeah, yeah. 99 or something like that around that time. And I thought, wow, you know, they're sort of got their, their finger on the, on the button, so to speak in regards to what they think was the, the most uh, sort, of, sort of prominent cause in, in reducing that mortality. And it was, uh, yeah. they said, there are- they said hygiene and not living mm-hmm. in your own squalor and having better access to nutrition. Sure. Sure. Yeah. There are, there are some things, but it's, it's pretty rare. You just don't see a lot of it. Most of it's, you know, this um, just a kind of accepted idea that it was the vaccines that did everything. Mm. Yeah. Which, which uh, turns out not to be really true, you know? And that's what we're talking about, right? So this is uh, pictures from the, I think, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 70s, I don't know, whatever. You know, so this is this is life now. Pretty nice, you know, this is modern life, you know, to a large extent, you know. We had it, we had it, we had it good in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in the Western world, you know? Oh, yeah. It's... Very nice access to food, clean water, uh, going to beaches. You know, not everybody lived like this. Of course, people had, um, you know, not everybody uh, had these advantages, but a lot of people did in the Western world, right? And you know, I can see a lady in the bottom right-hand corner of that black and white photo. Looks like she might might be smoking a cigarette, right? But well, if- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, people were still <laughs> people were still smoking. Of course, people still smoke now. But uh, actually, in the seventies, we were much healthier now uh, than we were now. I mean, obesity rates have skyrocketed. And another thing that's really affecting people's health is vitamin D, because people 
just don't go out in the sun for multiple reasons. They're afraid of the sun. Some people are afraid of the sun because they think they're going to die from skin cancer. Um, they're inside more because they're on computers and video games and watching television. And, and so they're getting a lot less sun exposure. So vitamin D levels across the planet or in the Western world are horrible. And so without vitamin D, you have a lot of problems because it's involved in like 5% of biological functions. It's really a hormone. It's a key hormone. And, uh, and it's just kind of like, Oh, well, you know, we don't need that. That's not important. You know, we always think we're smarter than nature. So, yeah. So, you know, without the vitamin D and the obesity, we're just not as healthy as we were in the seventies, in my opinion. And there's not even an overweight person. Sorry. No, no, there was not, you know, people in the seventies were generally not overweight. Yeah. I now, can't see an overweight now. person in that photo at all. Yeah. Well, it's selection bias. I picked the photo so there would be nobody heavy in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. No, I mean, you can look at charts of obesity and it's just like shh, yeah. going straight up. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Yeah. And that's, you know, start more or less started in the United States, but it's everywhere. Canada, Britain, uh, you know, all the Western countries are all trying to catch up to the United States and obesity. And it, it, it's nothing but a disaster. You know, you can't be healthy if you're, if you're uh, obese or uh, morbid, I guess they call it severe obesity. Now, you know, it, it, you're just not going to be a healthy person. You might be a great person. You might be a nice person. I don't think people should be uh, ridiculed for being, uh, overweight, mm. but you're not going to be healthy. You're, you're going to store vitamin D in your fat instead of utilizing. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. It's just not good. And, uh, you know, as a society, we're like, well, whatever. Um, I want to be who I want to be. Okay. Well, all right. But you got to accept the health consequences of that, which is increased heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and upper respiratory infections increase with, you know, these situations of obesity and vitamin D decline. So, you know, there are consequences for this, this kind of a societal, you know, activity. It's not a good idea. Mm. And so, you know, here's the illusion of history. You know, I love, I love movies. I love TV shows, but this is the kind of thing we show for, you know, way back when, everyone had pretty dresses and everyone looked good and it was wonderful. And, you know, I love these movies, you know, they're all great. You know, everything looks wonderful. You wish you were back in the 1800s, mm. but, uh, it really, it was like this, <laughs> uh, this is, uh, you sh people should read Jacob A. Reese. You know, he wrote something in the 1900s and had pictures and showing all the, the horrible conditions, uh, different, how people lived was just unbelievable. But probably yeah. only really in the West though, right? Like, because there was people like Weston A. Price who went and looked at native tribes around that period of time in the late 1800s, early 1900s with yeah. Western influence and they were all completely healthy. So it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, right, right. I'm talking about the Western world. Exactly. So you're yeah. talking about London, New York, Chicago. Yep. Uh, this is where, you know, we get the information from, you know, what was going on in, uh, you know, some other country somewhere, you know, I don't have data on that. So, but yes. you know, when I, so I guess that point is like the disease that we're seeing is probably a consequence of that toxic Western society. All right. What do you mean? 
Well, oh, you mean the 1800s diseases? Yeah. 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 Well, diseases were around before that, but you know, mm-hmm. they're people didn't have an easy life until they're, you know, starting the early 1900s, things were not easy for anybody, hmm. you know, in any of these societal structures. Yeah. Uh, we'll just kind of breeze through some of these. Here's some more pictures and, you know, dark vermin, you know, dark passages with vermin and poisonous gases from the sewage and, you know, horrible, you know, horrible stuff. Right. And uh, I like the picture in the middle, you know, kids playing in the street, you know, there's a dead horse there, you know, garbage everywhere things just die where they die people used to bury people in walls Hmm. you know when they died and uh obviously hygiene was lacking and this is when they were starting to use pipe water and stuff and it was still horrible Mm -hmm. because originally you know people didn't have pipe water you know so they're in a city what are you going to do with all your uh you know refuse goes out the window and then that gets rain done and goes into your water supply and you drink the water supply <laughs> who's not going to get sick <laughs> exactly and it, you know we had um six major cholera you know pandemics starting in the 1800s early 1800s and finishing in the early 1900s actually there was another one after that but those were the big almost continuous cholera pandemics well, because people lived in toilets, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to be doing too well. No. And people were overworked. They worked in mines, they worked in factories, you know, mind numbing, repetitive work. Kids worked. It's still hard to believe, but you know, kids as young as four years old were in mines, working in the factories, just you did not have a childhood and you can imagine if you had poor food lived in squalor and worked since you were a little kid in horrible conditions you're not going to do too well a lot of kids died just from mine collapses and and of course they got sick and when they got sick they didn't go home and lay in bed and have some lemonade they continued working of course who's who's going to live <laughs> you're going to die from measles or anything mm-hmm. There's some more uh, lovely pictures of, you know, you, you almost think this is a, uh, you know, fictional, but this is a, uh, you know, these are photographs from that time, you know, kids working in mines, you know, uh, working at glass factories. The, the middle picture is the kid, uh, his whole job was to open that door in the dark when the mine came, th- when the mine cart came through the lonely trapper boy. Yeah, horrible, horrible existence. Mm-hmm. In the lower right-hand corner, they used to attach chains to kids because they were small and pull the cart through the little tunnels. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a that's not a way to have a childhood, right? No. Diseased food it was horrible. You know, you, you never know if you if if they slaughtered something, they didn't put it in a refrigerator. They didn't have refrigeration, so they used to hang meat in the windows, and they used to got flies land on it or whatever and so it started rotting right away and then you would get that you know most of the food you got was horrible sausages were just ground up bad stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and put into casings and who knows what would be in there it could be rats and who knows it's just all mashed up and then you would eat that who wouldn't get sick right yes yeah yeah that's uh yeah another good book to read is the jungle upton Sinclair. And, uh, you know, this is a passage from there where they're talking about how they made, made sausage. 
So people got a little uh, upset when they read this kind of stuff, you know, about all the stuff all mixed together and ground up and made into sausages. So that's when we started having, you know, FDA kind of regulations and stuff like that, meat packing and, and meat production and stuff like that. Mm. Pollution. Yeah. There were times, you know, the London fog wasn't, you know, water vapor, a nice little fluffy white cloud. It was all the you know, smoke and toxins going up in the atmosphere and then settling back on the city. And so there were times you see that in the middle picture, people were just choking on this stuff. People died in large numbers from all this pollution. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was quite horrible. And so what changed? These are all the things I, I like uh, Dr. Rice it's not strange when the health improves when the population gives up using diluted sewage as the principal beverage, <laughs> which is true. So you have all these improvements, hygiene, clean water, getting rid of all the slums. Uh, slaughterhouses were in the middle of cities and tanneries and all their toxins of all their production went right into the water supply. So you're not only drinking, you know, poop water, you're also drinking, you know, all these other chemicals. Um, improved milk supplies, breastfeeding, you know, as bad as formula you might think is now back then it was just, you know, they just concocted something if, if you weren't breastfeeding. And of course that would kill babies by the bucket loads, uh, unions, labor laws, child labor laws, public schools. And maybe you don't, maybe you do, or don't like public schools now, but back then, uh, public schools were, you know, wonderful because, gee, at least you weren't working in the mines, <laughs> yeah. you know, in factories. Yeah. Uh, you know, proper food handling and really electricity. Electricity, mm-hmm. greatest invention ever. With you know, with electricity, we have everything. You know, without electricity, we don't have much. So they started with ice boxes and lighter refrigeration. So now you had food that wasn't going rotten. Uh, flush toilet and transportation. Now we could transport stuff. Hey, don't go ahead without me asking. (laughs) Um, You know, all these things came in at the same time. Mitigating pollution, which, you know, started more or less late, uh, early 1900s, you know, get rid of all the smog. You know, people were still dying of smog in 1950s. Uh, You know, again, this is Western countries, you know, China's, you know, still a big smog, smog bank because we exported all our manufacturing to them. So, mm. um, yeah, so all these things came together at the same time. And, you know, the result was now we can, so we went from the left-hand side to the right-hand side, right? So horrible conditions, child and children working in mines. And then we had, you know, like that bottom picture where the kids are all stop advancing. Why is it doing that? Um, you know, having a nice day at school somewhere, Nice, nice homes to live in, food, you know, good stuff, good living. Yeah, it's a great visual representation of just how much society's changed. Oh, it's tremendous. Uh, so that's from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, or 60s, 70s, 80s. I can't remember the pictures on the right. So a lot of people had it good, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s. Um, there's some more pictures of, you know, how things are now or Again, 50s, 60s, 70s, when, when we were, we basically peaked in uh, societal health, I think, uh, around that time frame. I agree. So, and we talked about microbes are everywhere, you know. 
So it's not about the, you know, it's not about the germs. It's about being in balance with your environment. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, we could, uh, we can do smallpox another time. Um, I don't know if you want to go too long, you know? Yeah. I, I reckon we make a part two because I don't want you to rush through it. I, I, I want you to, to take time and to give it the due diligence that it deserves. Um, and everything that you've been putting forward so far is just so valuable. Um, so yeah, I, I think if we rush through it, we'd be doing a disservice to right, right, right. you and your presentation. Yeah I, I, yeah, I agree. Why don't we just set up another time for uh, you know doing the smallpox? Because there's a yeah. lot of really, really because so when you bring up this stuff, they go, well, what about smallpox? Exactly. You know, right. And you know, I thought, gee, yeah, well, that's that's true. But as I you know dug into the history, you find out. It's not uh, it's not what you thought it was, like everything else. <laughs> and yeah, then you find out a lot of holes in the in the whole whole theory. And we get the word vaccination from this guy, Edward Jenner, who scratched pus from a cow onto a person and said, Hey, I created something great. And the Latin word for cow is vaca, so voc vaccination, right? So it's vaccination, that's where we get it from. So although our modern stuff has nothing to do with cows, but you know, it's a, it's a name brand like Kleenex, you know, mm. but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's a longer discussion. So. And it's an important one because it's a question that I hear come up all the time and people even ask me about. Yeah, um, sure. Sure. So, yeah, I, I think if we make a part two and yeah, that sure. way we can give it the time it, it, that it really deserves. And also it gives something people to look forward to. Right, leave them hanging. Sure, sure, sure. And sure, sure. When we bring that information forward with um, part two, then it'll be a great follow-on from where we leave off today. Yeah, I think people will be surprised at some of the some of the reality behind the you know fantasy. There's a big fantasy about smallpox, which is just not true. To be continued. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I honestly, I look at some of the sometimes at, at this uh, information, I'm like, this can't be true. <laughs> I mean, how could this possibly be true? How could we be so mistaken? How could this be so wrong? It, the the, the information is there. Why, why didn't anybody look? Or if they did look, why did they not talk about it? It's just, it's, well, that's not completely true. There were, there were doctors in the 1800s talking about how vaccination was ridiculous, but they just, they just got basically erased from history, which is really kind of interesting. Yeah, certainly a big paradigm shift. Um, and some people, when they are presented with this information, it sort of just makes sense to them and a light bulb goes off. But others, it takes a little bit longer. And some people, I don't know if a light bulb will ever go off. But all we can do when we're presenting this information to people is, is just present it. And whether or not they choose to look at this information with an open mind and do some further sure. research into what we're saying. Um, and if they don't choose to do the research, it's, it's completely up to them. We can only provide the information. Yeah. I'm a big believer in, you know, freedom of your know, choice, freedom of uh, information. Right. Uh, unfortunately we don't live in a world that believes in free information. They want to control everything. But uh, you know, I personally think, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe. Mm. 
you know, uh, if you think this is all ridiculous, then it's all ridiculous to you. That's fine. You know, to me, it makes sense. Uh, the data is there, the history is there. And if it doesn't, some, if it's something you're not comfortable with, well, I'm okay with that. You can believe whatever you want. That's fine. Just don't impose your beliefs on somebody else. Yeah. If you want to tell people what to do based on your belief system, I don't think that's uh, something we should be doing. Unfortunately, that's the world that we live in where people think they should tell other people what to do. Even, you know, I, I have, you know, I know a number of uh, different people. Of course, everybody does, right? And, you know, they're diehard fans. I said, well, you know, if you want to read the book, it might change your mind. No, they don't want to read it. Okay, that's fine. You know, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> you know, you can decide to read something or not. And it's always yeah. there when they're ready to read it. Um, and yeah, where, sure. where is the best place for people to get a copy of your book? Should they go to your website or is it better to go through Amazon? Um, Just go go to Dissolving Illusions. Uh, let's see. Let's stop that. Oops. Escape. Uh, yeah, so you can go here. You can order the book um, worldwide. You can just pick paperback. We have Kindle. We have an audio book too. Oh, awesome. Actually, let's just play a little bit of the audio book just real quick. Chapter one, the not so good old days. As we passed along the... Re anyway, so yeah, you can listen to uh, some chapters online. And is that uh, you in your writing? No, no. I, I found somebody who can actually speak properly. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I thought you present very well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you can get some free chapters online. Uh, but anyway, you can order the book here. So you got paperback, Kindle. I've actually, um, I think the Kindle is fine. You can pick the language you want. This is a little broken at the moment, but you got English, German, Italian. It's been translated into five languages. Wow. Uh, this is supposed to be French. It's broken. So I have to have that fixed. And then based on um, English is the most widespread. You can pick which country you want to get it from. These are all Amazon, but there's also some thrift books and things like that. This is a mistake too. That's going to be fixed. But So you can go to uh, thrift books. Uh, a lot of people object to Amazon. Unfortunately, we went with CreateSpace, which then got bought by Amazon, which right. I can't complain. Amazon's done really well by us because it distributes across the planet. Hmm. Uh, pff, I'll skip that. I don't want to go through that. But you can just go to, uh, you know, whatever. I want to buy it from Singapore. We'll go to the Singapore Amazon website. And you can, you know, you can get it there. So the, so the, web you... the website helps you get to, you know, what you want. But it's basically from Amazon. Would you, you get more money it. from thrift books or, or doesn't, is it very much of a muchness regardless? I don't, of I don't think I get any, uh, we don't get anything from thrift books. I don't care. You know, it's not about the money really. So right. no, we don't, we don't get anything from thrift books. Oh, this is my uh, new book uh, on the environment, by the way. So moving back from midnight. Yeah. I just, just, just published it. Uh, to me, this is much more important than the vaccine thing because uh, there's a lot of things going on in the environment Well, we can talk about that another time. Well, I was going to say, maybe in part two, we go through the smallpox thing and then we can talk about this new book because I didn't even realize you had that book. So I'm going to, oh, have to yeah. try and look at this before we talk again next time. Yeah, it's uh, just came out. There's free chapters. So you can come here and if it actually responds. 
Oh, well, okay. Well, because it's uh, busy. <laughs> it doesn't want to respond. So you can read some free chapters on a few, in a few things. Um, oh, here we go. So there's a few chapters there you can just read about um, the plastics in our oceans, uh, uh, how we're overfishing the oceans to the point of collapse, um, how we're exterminating species across the planet. So really pleasant kind of stuff. Uh, but very important to know about because I think we're, we're uh, as a species wrecking the planet and wrecking our own survival, you know, destroying our own survival by doing these, these activities. Um, so, so vaccine issues are important, but this is, I think a lot more important because we destroy the life support system of our own world. That's, uh, that's probably not going to be good. No, I don't think that'll so. be relatively good outcome for us <laughs> probably not <laughs> so anyway um yeah so go dissolving illusions uh yeah the new book's called moving back from midnight uh we can talk about that next time too and um you know you can again pick paperback kindle audio uh get some free chapters um at the top here oh yeah i have some videos too by the way oh yeah and um you go to photos and charts Everything that's in the book for photos is all here. I have a little video on uh, life as a child. Um, I'll just start it up, skip over the beginning. Ladders. Before so it's, it goes through all these pictures, and it basically, I use the audio uh, version of the book to, to basically go through uh, life in the 1800s. So, uh, well worth watching it if you want to just have something like that. And then I have a little video so all the charts are here right so you can and all the references like i was talking about and this is a little video uh well maybe not so little it's a 40 24 minutes really using so i talk about just the what we talked about i also talk about smallpox in a nice video format uh it's not extensive as like the book is but it does give you a nice flavor of of uh, what's um what's talked about in the book to a large extent Fantastic. And um, so you can get a lot of information without even buying the book, you know? Yeah. Matter of fact, you can create your own book, honestly. You can you can get this data, you can you can use the charts freely, you can verify the data, you can create your own booklet, you can create, you know, you do your own research. You know, it's all up to you. We put a lot of the information online so you don't even have to buy the book if you don't want to. Mm. If you do, great. Uh, some places we don't get any money from, but you know, whatever, uh, all the translations, we don't, we don't really get much money from those anyway, either, but I don't really care. It's, but basically I'm glad, uh, people approached us and wanted to translate it into English, German, Italian, Spanish, and French. So it's in five languages total. Uh, and it's going to be in Japanese soon too. We have somebody translating it to Japanese. Awesome. Well, I, I know some Japanese people who might benefit from or really enjoy reading that book when it comes out in Japanese. So I'll keep my yeah. eye on it. So, yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, you know, you never know if it's really translated correctly either, because unless you read the, speak the other language or like you kind of take it on faith, like, you know, I hope the guy translated it correctly. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. So, you know, how, is it right? I don't know. How do I know? Uh, but so, um, hopefully they're translated correctly i i understand from the spanish that it's done well because i know somebody who looked at it but you know and the german 
the Germans are actually pretty, pretty good, I think, too. That's so, oops, sure. I forgot to choose the country. Oops. So paperback, German version, Amazon US, and there you go. And there's the German version. So you can, if you're so inclined to buy German, you know. Um, I'll put the links to those books, both your moving back from midnight, I think it was, was it? Yeah, right, moving right. Back. Yeah, moving back from midnight and dissolving illusions in the show notes for this podcast. And then let's arrange a time um, not too far from now to do part two and we can look at the whole sure, sure. thing and look at your new book. I think that'd be really wonderful. And I'm sure that my listeners would enjoy to hear your perspectives on those uh, things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Smallpox is very interesting. It's fascinating. Uh infinite topic actually there's so much to always find new stuff about and uh i have some new stuff in in the in the slides that um are, aren't any even in the book yet actually i was writing a whole book on smallpox oh, um right. but um i got diverted just because the environmental book and other things happen in life so mm. it's it's sitting there as a project i wish somebody would help me with it because i can't I have a couple of different books I'm working on, so it's only a matter of you know, how much time do I have, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's only so yeah. many hours in the day. Yeah. I would love somebody to work on the smallpox book with me. Um, I have new charts and stuff. This is back into the um, 1700s, 1600s, 1700s, but you know, before the vaccine came out and a lot more information, but you know, it take it takes years to write these things. So, mm-hmm. you know. Unfortunately, I don't live forever. So, <laughs> I, you know, you have to kind of say, well, what am I going to spend my time on? Right. So, that's right. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, let's get together sometime. That'd be great. I was like, this here. Sounds awesome. Roman, yeah. th- thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. No, I appreciate the opportun- opportunity. And, um, you know, people can reach out, they can, send me uh you know criticisms they can send me whatever they want you know like hey you're an idiot okay all right fine send me an email say i'm an idiot and it's fine <laughs> um i've gotten it all already so uh, my my point is to tell the truth as best as i can not you know not get sucked into some ideology and that's why i'm kind of in between the you know different camps of germ versus no germ you know, kind of thing. To me, it's not that important. It's what's really important is your overall health. And I think we can all be a lot healthier if we so choose. And then a lot of these problems that we're seeing today with this Corona stuff would evaporate rather rapidly. If we all had good vitamin D levels, if we weren't obese, if we, you know, understood health instead of just looking to pharmaceutical companies to fix everything for us, you know, Oh, yeah, this is wrong. Okay. Take this medication. Well, do you really need to do that? Or do you need to like take care of your own health? And then suddenly that problem goes away. Right. That's right. So, you know, I think we can do, we can, I think we do much, much better than we are as far as health goes. Yeah. A lot, a lot better. We just got to take our power back. We just, uh, We've got to look at these things yeah. in a bit more detail and certainly books like the one that you've written there will help a lot of people. And I'm sure they helped people like me and a lot of people that I know um, in the sort of 
proactive health community um, are always talking about the, the work that you've done and, and yeah, great. The great information that you put out there. So yeah, thank you for everything that you and Susan have done in regards to that book. Uh, and for everyone who's listening, get yourself a copy, have a look at uh, the, the great work that Roman's done. Or, or just go on the website, use the or charts. Just go on the website. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and do your own work. Great. Right. You know, and uh, you know, you have to satisfy yourself. You have to satisfy yourself that you're not insane, that you didn't go off the rails, that, you know, somehow this makes sense to you. You have to integrate that into your, you know, into your mind. Um, You know, I don't, I don't like believing anybody at face value of anything, you know, just go, you know, you have to do the work. Yes. I I think too, for too long, we've been, or at least recently we're spoon fed, you know, well, something came up on Twitter. There's a tweet. That's clever. Oh, it must be true. You know, oh, here's a Facebook meme. That must be true. You know, I'll just repeat the meme. And we, we, we're, we're getting educated by Twitter and TikTok and, and, you know, this is, this is crazy. This is not how you, you know, actually understand anything, you know, just because we have that and we have corporate media that just repeats talking points from corporations and the government, you know, this is not a way to get information. This is not, you know, getting into the, you know, closer to the truth, you know, my opinion. Anyway, you can, you can still watch TikTok for all your valuable news information. If you want, you know, that's fine. <laughs> that's your choice, but I don't think it's a good, it's not a good strategy for an uh, enlightened society. Yeah. We're kind of moving into the, um, you ever seen the movie idiocracy? Yeah. I, I call it a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people would look it, at that movie it, and go, it's a good science. It's a good sci-fi flick, a good comedy. Actually, it's probably yeah. more closer to, to reality than we think. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a B-rated comedy, you know. It's not it's not the funniest thing on the planet, but it's it's very documentary-ish sort of. <laughs> it's a satire of the future, you know. It's not mm. we're improving, we're getting dumber, you know. We're becoming kind of corporatized and governmentized and you know, it's not good no so yeah please go to the website do your own research think for yourself critical thinking is a dying dying entity and uh, come to your own conclusions yeah thank you so much roman it was so wonderful talking with you and i look forward to speaking with you in the near future awesome great have a great day you too all right bye Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.